0: welcome to north beats from north beach i'm your host cory luna on this episode of north beats podcast i interview eki shola after she got back from touring in japan with her new album kairu also recorded in japan it's been a few years since I've seen Eki Shola in person. Last time I saw her was in 2019 when she performed at Peaked, back when we used to have live shows in San Francisco. It was wonderful catching up with Eki Shola, and I really hope you enjoy this this interview with her.
1: How is it that your your video looks amazing? The quality is
0: it? Weird? I'm using a Canon RP, so it's a it's a yeah, it's a mirrorless DSLR. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: you're like, like popping through the screen. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> really
0: I'm using a 50 millimeter lens on it, so it looks really good. Oh, okay. And I'm also also using an external light to illuminate myself, so I don't I'm not using just like standard lights in my apartment.
1: Oh,
0: I might take this too seriously.
1: No, I think you should do a little YouTube tutorial <laughs> <laughs> because i've never seen anyone come so clearly like the song zoom so oh, cool good idea
0: So Eke, thank you so much for taking the time to do my podcast north beats it's it been did. some years since you and i've seen each other you uh the first time you and i got to meet was when you performed at actually you and i met probably at resident frequency back in 2019 in oakland right and from there i invited you on the show and you got and did an amazing performance at San Francisco when we used to have our, our live shows. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those powerful moments that I recall and anyone who was in the room recalls because you made the room cry
2: mm-hmm. with
0: one of your songs. And that's a powerful moment that I don't think anyone I recall has really achieved with their performances Pete, specifically. Mm-hmm. So it's Something that's always stood out to me.
1: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, so that's pretty moving. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, I mean, I just share the stories that I've gone through really with just hoping to provide some sort of inspiration both for those who, who are there listening. And it if it allows or it gives someone the, the courage or the the uh, to cry and to just be in that moment that's uh, that's really touching to hear
0: you're you're a talented musician you and the experience that you're able to emulate through your music is well well felt.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that
0: those. I'm really glad to see that you've been producing more music since I've seen you. I know it's been some years, but you've been active and prolific. And right. I'm really happy to see that, that you've grown so much. You started Unmute Magazine, and mm-hmm. you've and now you've put out a new album. I think, is it your fifth album? That's right. Kyru. Yes. Kyru. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Um, I would love to hear more about kairu specifically and this tour you did in japan and as i i listened to your album and that the liner notes and camp it also states that uh you recorded in Japan as well i
1: did so it was about 20 years ago it was the first time i went to japan so i was there as a medical student and i did a rotation and i was there for maybe three weeks and i just fell in love with the country the the culture the, the 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 natural beauty the attention to detail the na- nature and i cried when it was time to come back i was living in new york and i was like the first time i i cried leaving the country and i said one day i have to go back like i have to live there somehow and so fast forward 20 years later uh, it was October of last year. I had the opportunity to work over there as a physician. So I was like, yeah, I'm going. And while I was there, I just started to check out the music scene. And like, Corey, I was blown away. Like, music seems to be so woven into the fabric of their culture there. And the diversity of music. I went to one show and I heard Celtic. Electronic cello, ambient, DJ, um, I, like jazz, all this music. And you see it in the arts there. There's so much cross collaboration between disciplinaries there. And that really encouraged me, particularly as an artist who doesn't really fit neatly into one genre, yeah. To really feel seen and and appreciated, and I met one person who owned a venue in Hiroshima. He invited me to perform, and from that connection, it was just—it's been like a domino effect. And I found myself recording there uh, in March. Wow!
0: Yeah, tell me a little bit more about uh, your first experience there uh, 20 years ago, right? And and uh, Tell me about the area. Where were you? Where you? Uh, where was your? Was it residency? A rotation? You said yes. Yeah,
1: medical school rotation. So it was a student exchange program. I was attending Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, and so I got to go to Keio University, which is in Tokyo, to study traditional Chinese medicine. Wow! So I got to shadow the physician. Would go to clinic every day. And then would go back to the lab and he would do research there. And I worked with the students there and did that for a few weeks. And then after that, I got to explore a little bit, went to Kyoto and Hakone and Mount Fuji. And yeah, it was, it was just an incredible experience. It really was.
0: I can relate a little bit because uh, my partner and I, we spent the, a- Two weeks in Japan back in twenty
2: eighteen.
0: Oh, you know, I, yeah, yeah. We, we were there in uh, late July. Yes, it was, it was about hundred degrees every day and 90 percent <laughs> humidity. Right. Uh, it was a little rough, but uh it, we made the best of it. Yeah, and it was we fell in love with, with we did. It. We yeah. stayed in. we first went to Tokyo, and then Kyoto and Osaka, and. There was beauty everywhere. We love the culture. We we've only been there that one time, and we really want to go back.
1: Me too. Yeah, there's just something about it. I, I it's it's hard to describe until you've you've, you've gone. Were you? The, did you check out any uh, music
0: while you were there? No, it wasn't uh, on her agenda. Okay. So, okay. But I did say, hey, uh, we're in Tokyo. I have to go to Tower Records. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like that was just nostalgic for me. Right. really great to see. I was yeah, go to a couple other you know boutiques and shops, and we. I think her focus was more on uh, the food culture. Okay, and some uh, museums. We did okay. go to go to, you know, Osaka. We got to go to the aquarium. Oh yeah, so it was. I've never been to a better aquarium. It was amazing there's this There's a shark tank basically that you can walk that you walk around the tank and look in on on every side as you walk down oh. spiraling around this aquarium of, of multitudes of different types of shark and other uh fish in the tank together. It's absolutely fantastic.
1: Oh my goodness, okay,
0: I'm to check it out. It is beautiful
1: Oh. so
0: Tell me more about your album. Uh, tell me the the name of it. Kado, right means coming home. Also, I was reading that it's also a uh, uh, the word for frog, and which is a fertility symbol and good fortune. Tell me what does karu mean for you, and how does it apply Did to your album?
1: It means to return home. So I've been. What's it? Couple of years ago, I started taking Japanese at uh, a local community college, and I remember you know we were learning verbs, and one of the verbs was kaido. And I was like, "That's going to be the name of my next album." It just really resonated. But what it symbolizes for me as someone who's emigrated from London to the U.S. as a child, I have never really quite felt at home in this country, to be honest. And I there's this sort, sort of restlessness that I've always felt here, whether it's in California, living here in California or New York or Boston where I was before. And so when I was in, the times that I've gone to Japan, I've been about 12 times now. And every time that I go, it's a sense of lightness and a sense of just so much gratitude. And, 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 and I'm able to be much more in the present and out of my head in Japan every time. And I remember saying one day, I feel like I'm floating. Like, pinch me. Is this real? Like, am I here? And I was like, what is that all about? And I, and I think a big part of it is I didn't realize all the tension and the heaviness that I've been carrying on me while living here in the U.S. And it's only until being out of the country did I realize that was the case. And I've spoken to other creators, not just in the music world, um, living in Japan, um, Black folks. And they've said the same thing. Oh. There is this sense of you can just be oh, you, and in, in a, a culture or a society that's rather homogeneous ethnically, you would think, okay, I s- stick out like a sore thumb, and it's going to be hard. But no, it's almost um, the, the concept of race and 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 the in the difficulties that, that, and, and discrimination and subjugation that, that heavies it up is not there in Japan because they don't have that history, right? And so I realized that part of that lightheaded, that lightness and, and, and peace comes from being able to be me and to be free. And that to me signifies home, Because before this album, before I was writing it, I was thinking, where is home geographically? And through this time of of traveling to Japan and recording there, I realized that home is a place that allows me to be me. And me, that's Japan.
0: Forrest, what random fact do you have for us
2: today? All right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about photosynthesis. So, photosynthesis is the process by which plants capture light and use carbon dioxide and water to make sugars. And that is the foundation of most ecosystems on the planet. Production of usable energy from light. Now, because photosynthesis needs water, plants that live in dry places have a hard time. So they've come up with a couple of different ways of doing photosynthesis. The base type is called C3, and that's the ancestral kind of photosynthesis. Then you have what's called C4 photosynthesis. And what that does to conserve water is spatially separate the different parts of the photosynthetic process. So the inside of the leaf will actually have layers where part of the photosynthesis will happen. It'll shunt the product of that to the next spot and then do the photosynthesis completion. And by doing that, it ensures that the water using phase of the photosynthetic process is not in contact with the atmosphere. And C4 is mostly used by grasses. And grasses that use C4 make up a lot of grasslands. So places where you have just these masses of grass, most of those are C4 plants, especially those that grow in arid areas. The other kind is what's called cam. And cam is interesting because it's not spatially divided, but temporally divided. What happens is the plant will open its stomata, the pores that it uses to breathe, at night to bring in carbon dioxide, which it needs for photosynthesis. And it'll then convert that carbon dioxide into an acid and then store that in special parts of the cell within the plant. Then, during the day, when there's the light to do the photosynthetic process, closes its stoma and the light completes the cycle, and you fix it into sugars. Now, both of these processes are less efficient under normal non-water-stressed conditions than C3. But under water-stressed conditions, they are more efficient and more likely to keep the plant alive because they're not losing water to the atmosphere. So, cactus, or cacti, Use Cam.
1: So it's been a learning process and um, it, it's been an, an evolution, this album, which I had not anticipated um, at all. I mean, before I went to record in March, I had half the album written already. And when I got there, I threw it out. I was like, Look, different. I, I'm, I'm feeling differently. I'm inspired differently, and I just wrote and wrote. And originally, I was going to do an EP, just four songs, um, but that didn't feel like enough. I was like, this is just the the tip, you know. And that's when I decided let's do a full album. And I came back. It was April or May to
0: record um, some local musicians there. And tell me about recording in Japan. About working yeah. at, uh, recording at his, the the, uh, uh, Teppenmok. Yeah, it's it's pronounced actually Teppenmok.
1: Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's so for some of the songs. Uh, for instance, one song that I wrote called Forest. I started that song a few years ago, and never finished it because I was there was a sound that I wanted, but I. Didn't know what instrument would create that sound. Uh, But I just knew that it was missing something. And I kind of had it on the back burner. And its sound is so rich. And you've heard it. Um, But I never knew that's what it was. And so I heard, started to hear these sounds. I was like, okay, that's what I want. That's what is missing. And so um, through the connections that I made... Uh, Hiroshi Kobayashi is the person who owns Tenomak Studios. I asked him to see if he could connect me with some local musicians. And he found um, um, Tatsuyo Okobayashi, who plays this Mongolian Morin Kerr. And he also connected me to Uma Habina, who plays Shamsin and the shakuhachi, which, which is a Japanese flute. And uh, he connected me to Hiranori Zagito's amazing drama. So, it it was like yeah, it everything just fell into place, and then like the final like the final whatever clincher was at Tenimak Studios used to be a hospital. <laughs> so the recording studio is like the old radiology room. Oh, cool. you know, the first floor. Yeah. And I was like, okay, come on. I'm a physician and musician. This is a sign. <laughs> <laughs> this is a place to be. And wow. yeah, it was a great experience. It was interesting. We used Google translate a lot on our <laughs> phone to communicate, but I just told them, look, um, I had templates, you know, the drums patterns and I had already written the synth bass and piano parts and I said make it yours until the drummer you know this is just a template but I don't want a drum machine you don't have to replicate this otherwise I could just stick with my my own drum machine so I said make it yours and I said let's see what happens and literally you know the first take of all these recordings were the best ones and they just did their they did their stuff yeah Came out it's
0: it. it's beautiful. It's such a soulful album. The way that the the musicians perform, it's it everything flows. It's there's a bit of a free jazz style to it that I get. Little there's and then your vocals have also this kind of freestyle jazz and soul and R and B in it, and you have this wonderful unique style that like I hear. Bits of influence, but it's your own style. I was I was kind of curious about how did you develop your your vocal style of singing.
1: Well, that's a great question. That's such a good question. I don't know. I guess you just open your mouth and you sing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah, just um. I think I'm having a good answer for that, except for knowing how I don't want to sing. Like I was um, taking some vocal lessons uh, a couple of months ago, and I just had so much inner resistance to it. And I was saying the vocal coach, and he says, "Nope, again, nope, again. Let's do it this way. This is this way." And I was just Late. like, "But I don't want to sound like that." <laughs> I'm like, why am I trying to load my voice into a style that I don't want and um, I was just like yeah this is not working <laughs> wow and I just yeah so I stopped I mean it doesn't mean that I'm where I am you know vocally uh, there's so many uh, things that I want to try learn and learn and be able to express myself in a diff- different ways artistically But I think the first part is to have the courage to know how I don't want to sound. And for me, listening to some of the artists that I really, that really inspire me, it's musically they inspire me, but more so it's their courage to be different is what Mm. really drives me. That makes sense. Yeah,
0: that's that's fantastic. Yeah. That's all that I need to need to. Mm. That's a great. That's the answer. Yeah. That that yeah. That's good. No, mm-hmm. that's. I get that. That makes sense to me. Thank you. And tell me a little bit about yeah. touring in Japan. You got to record, and then you got to re- tour. Yes. Tell right. me about this tour you did in Japan. Sure. Um,
1: I have you even toured the US.
0: No, not as a musician.
1: No, okay. I have not. um, And this is my first tour, so I, for comparison's sake, I don't have much. But all I can say, or what I can say is, it was much more seamless than I had expected. Mm. Like, I was, I'll back up. I've always wanted to tour in Japan, and I was just, I don't know, I was waiting for the person to come in and Roth in a steak. You know. I'm like, you no, know, wait, I'm gonna do this myself. And it was a lot easier than I expected. Number one, Japan is a swallow country compared to the US, right? Yes. And I've spoken to I've spoken to a couple of my friends who have toured the US. Um, so it's easy to get around. Public transportation is great. Yeah. And um in terms of costs, it's much more economically viable than compared to the U.S. Way more. So you can get a really nice hotel for $40 a night. Um, things like that makes it very easy. And also I found that when I was reaching out to venue owners, uh, I was really um, surprised at the response rate. People wrote back. Uh, Whether it was yes or no, but they wrote back and they wrote back pretty quickly. So it was, it actually was a little bit easy to, 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 to get a whole schedule planned out. And I also think what helps is getting to know venue owners. So when I was going there for work, I tried to visit different clubs before to introduce myself. I like some of them, Corey. I'd I'd go in, say hi. They'd be like, okay, sit down and play. (laughs) I was like audition on the spot. Oh my. I was not, yeah, I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I guess that's how things are done here. But um, yeah, so that was intense. But it was easier than I thought. I did get a translator or interpreter for most of my shows because I felt that was helpful and um, able to connect with the audience and share those stories and like people appreciated that.
0: Well, oh, that's yeah. really good. Yeah.
1: yeah. Plus, he was a great percussionist. So he <laughs> played and performed hits mm. with Interpret. Yeah. All right.
0: Wow. That's great. Yeah. That so was cool. Yeah. Are there any moments that Stuck out during your tour. That is one of your favorites.
1: Oh, that's hard. I've I have a lot, but I think the the icing on the cake was the final show, November fifth. It was a CD release event, and that's where me and the other the recording artists played live together. So I've never played with like my own band on all my original songs before. And what we recorded, by the way, is all done separately. So this is the first time we were all played together. And wow. that, yeah. So I was nervous. <laughs> there was just like one rehearsal. Oh, wow. And it was just awesome. It was really, really cool. Really, really <laughs> cool. So I'd, I'd love to do that again. Nope.
0: That's so cool, Maggie, our, our we've got maybe less than a minute left on on the Zoom here. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And it's so good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been happy to follow you on, on, you know, Instagram and things like that, but yeah. I really hope to see you again sometime. Definitely.
1: Are you out playing live
0: or? I've done a couple shows. You are? Okay. Okay. Nothing consistent. The... Okay. It should right. be.
1: Sounds Bye. good. Take care.
2: Thank you.